This is Archbishop William Laurie of Baltimore, and you are listening to Catholic Review Radio on 1160 AM, 103.1 FM, WMET, the Guadalupe Radio Network. Catholic Review Radio is a weekly radio program and podcast hosted by Catholic Review Media, the news operation of the Archdiocese of Baltimore. We are grateful to our Catholic partners for the opportunity to bring quality Catholic programming to our listeners each week. This is Chris Gunty of the Catholic Review. With us today on Catholic Review Radio is Dick Lyles. Dick is one of the co-founders of Origin Entertainment, which intends to make transformative and inspiring entertainment. And he is one of the producers of Fatima, a new movie that remakes the 1952 film The Miracle of Our Lady of Fatima and updates the story as told through the eyes of 10-year-old Lucia, one of the three young shepherd children who saw visions of our Blessed Mother in Portugal in 1917. Welcome to the show, Dick. Thank you for having me, Chris. Just one quick correction. Uh, Jamie Voke actually founded Origin Entertainment, and I came on board right after he founded it. So I'm almost a founder, but not quite. Okay. I'm well, a very partner. Good. I'm Thank partner. you. I appreciate that. You showed the events in the movie Fatima through the eyes of Sister Lucia as a child. What made you decide to present it this way? Well, we thought it was important that the world see what the shepherds really went through in the context of what really happened. So um, not many stories of Fatima have ever put it in the context that the world was at war. It was at the tail end of World War I. Portugal was having a civil war and was uh, really being torn apart with the civil war. So there was tremendous uh, tension going on in the world. And there was, as a result of that, when the children saw the apparitions and began to talk about them, it really put a tremendous amount of pressure on them, more pressure than they would have had otherwise. And we wanted to show their heroism. We really didn't feel that any of the prior movies that had ever been produced showed the true heroism of the shepherds from their point of view. So we told it from Lucia's point of view so people could appreciate the courage as well as the faith and love that these shepherds experienced. Yeah, that's quite a burden for a seven-year-old, an eight-year-old, and a 10-year-old to take on. It, it's huge. I mean, it's unbelievable because everybody was putting pressure on them. Their parents, um, Lucia's mother was uh, the only person in the village who could read and write. And so she was well-respected. A lot of people came to her for spiritual guidance and so forth. And um, she couldn't quite understand why Mary would choose to appear to her daughter and her two cousins, basically 10, 8, and 7, as you said. But they were basically in this impoverished area of the world, in the middle of nowhere, illiterate. And she's like, why did they, why would she come here? Why would she do this of all things? And so her, her skepticism was legitimate. I mean, her fears were real, as were the fears of the clergy. The clergy was under assault by the uh, Portuguese Nationalist Republicans who were taking over the country. They saw the church as a threat to what they were trying to do with Portugal, although it wasn't, but that's what they thought. And so they were uh, putting tremendous pressure on the church. And then everybody else in the village was worried about it as well. 
Yeah, the movie seems to focus on those who have faith, not only the seers themselves, but also uh, those who come and having heard about this and and are looking for aid and solace. And then those who don't have faith, especially the mayor and others who are who are just incredibly not just skeptical about this, but disbelieving. How does the movie Fatima look at the struggle between those two sides? Well, they look at it as a realistic struggle that's gone on since the birth of Christ. I mean, it's 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 been throughout. There have been believers, there have been skeptics, and there have been non-believers. And so one of the things that um, we thought was important is that it's to show that. And we made this movie as what we call a crossover movie, a movie. It's such a compelling story. And the characters are so interesting, every single one of them. Uh, that we thought that uh, that it was only appropriate that this movie be told so that not only people of faith and people who are Fatima devotees and Catholics and so forth, but people who maybe have no faith or little faith at all, or maybe another faith uh, persuasion could be attracted to this story and, and therefore be attracted to the messages of Fatima which of course are, are noble and worthwhile messages for the world to hear. Mm -hmm. The production values are certainly very high. Uh, the photography, the cinematography is beautiful. The sound editing is just fantastic. I mean, it just, it, my wife and I were watching it and, and she commented just on how, how beautiful it, everything sounded. Uh, so you've certainly uh, did your homework to make sure that, that this would be a movie that we would be appealing uh, because of the quality but what are some of the things that you learned about the messages of Fatima that maybe you didn't know even before you started working on the film? Well, one of the things that was driven home that if I knew it, I had forgotten about it. It's, it's sort of obvious if you look at the messages, but it's the adverse effect that sin has on the world. Sin leads to war. Sin leads to suffering. Sin leads to a lot of the problems and, and certainly sin takes away from peace. And so part of the message that, of Fatima is to pray, pray the rosary every day, which is something I hadn't been doing. You know, it's interesting, Chris, when we first started working on the movie, we sort of had to confront our own beliefs and say, do we really believe this happened? Really, really deep down believe that this happened. And the answer, of course, was yes, because the evidence is just so overwhelming and so so huge and from so many sources. But then we said, if we believe it, then what's the first and foremost implication? Why aren't we praying the rosary every day? I mean, one of the messages she sends loud and clear is pray the rosary every day and pray often. And you pray, but why? Well, you pray often to lead to repentance and to combat sin in the world. So we've started praying the rosary every day. That was a, a, a specific, we used to pray it, but not every day. Now my wife Martha and I pray it every single day and the miracles it's brought to our life are just incredible. And then I think the, the significance about how important it is to repent for our sins. Mm -hmm. I've been Fatima a couple of times in my life, most recently in the centennial year, uh, 2017. Uh, a couple of months before the centennial celebrations. It's an impressive place. It calls people to very, certainly not as simple as it was in, in 1917. There are now, you know, the two huge basilicas and, and all of that. Is there a way that 
this is a place that calls people still to prayer? And why is that place so important? Well, the place is important because it's a reminder of, of, of that's where the Blessed Virgin appeared. And she also asked that a, a chapel be built in her honor so people could do that, so that people could be reminded of what happened and help sustain the message and sustain the vision. So it's, uh, it's very important for keeping the message alive. And of course, the people that maintain the Shrine of Fatima also sort of our caretakers or keepers, if you will, of the historical aspects of the story, as well as the theological aspects of the story, which is one of the reasons we kept them involved in every stage of the development of the script. And actually, the, the, all the leadership and the theologians and historians that work at the Shrine of Fatima were the first people to screen the movie when we finished it, when they had our final cut, and they gave it a standing ovation and said that this was the best movie about Fatima that's ever been made. So we're glad that we kept that. We're glad that they're there. We're glad that the shrine is there. We're glad that it serves as a message. And of course, shrines now are being built all over the world. There's a similar shrine in uh, Brazil. There's one in New Jersey, as you probably know. There's uh, one being built in the UK. There's one being built in South Korea. It may be finished now. And, and so uh, I think those shrines are important to give us focus and to give us a tangible reminder of what the messages are and what we need to do. You know, there's an interesting part of the movie where the older skeptical Professor Nichols is interviewing an older sister, Lucia. And um, he, he says to her, uh, after all the now this is in the early 1990s that the interview takes place uh, right around the collapse of the berlin wall and the demise of communism and so forth uh, which was one of the prophecies one of the predictions and um he says to sister lucia do you have any regrets and she says look around now this is in 1990 look around does it look to you like the world has heard a message of heavenly peace? That's, That's my only point. regret. Yeah, not having done enough. So, yeah. so we need reminders to help us remember that it's all of our responsibility to take this message forward. Mm -hmm. You mentioned that the character <clears throat> Professor Nichols, uh, who actually is a fictional character, that, that those interviews really never took place. But he's a character who studies unexplained phenomenon, who wants to talk to Sister Lucia about her perspective on it. Why was it important to have a character like that to help advance the story? Well, it was important because we wanted to raise the issues uh, that skeptics raise about apparitions, and the skeptics have raised specifically about this a series of apparitions without breaking the storyline. So we thought, let's, let's introduce this. It's the same uh, mechanism they used in the script for uh, Titanic, actually, mm -hmm. where uh, you had the older survivor uh, telling her story, and then the story, the actual story of the Titanic unfolds as a flashback. Right. And so what happens here is, is we have Sister, Professor Nichols inter, interviewing Sister Lucia in retrospect. And then as she answers his questions, the movie unfolds as a flashback. And that, that allows us to raise those issues 
without suspending belief, but also without interrupting the flow of the story. Mm -hmm. Well, that's great. Well, after the break, we're going to talk some more with Dick Lyles, one of the producers of the new movie Fatima. This is Chris Gunty, and you're listening to Catholic Review Radio. Archdiocese of Baltimore makes the protection of children a leading priority in its parishes, schools, and other ministries. The Archdiocese seeks to keep kids safe through training and background checks and by implementing a zero-tolerance policy for anyone credibly accused of abusing a child. For more information about the Archdiocese's efforts to keep our children safe, please visit www.archbalt.org accountability. Catholic News from the Archdiocese of Baltimore and around the world with the Catholic Review. The Redemptorist Pastor of Sacred Heart of Jesus in Highland Town was ordained an Auxiliary Bishop for the Archdiocese of Baltimore during a joyful August 18th liturgy celebrated by Archbishop William E. Laurie at the Cathedral of Mary Our Queen in Baltimore. At the end of the liturgy, Bishop Bruce A. Lewandowski, a native of Ohio who has devoted much of his ministry to serving the Spanish-speaking community, said that underneath his new bishop's vestments and regalia was the simple redemptorist habit of one who's more comfortable with poor people than anyone else and the collar of a priest who loves the Eucharist and the sacramental life of the Church. Underneath all of this is one who stands with those who suffer and who can't stand to let anyone suffer alone and one who's willing to make the struggles of others his own, Bishop Lewandowski said. Underneath all of this is someone who loves Jesus and would do anything and everything to get others to love him also. Bishop Lewandowski said he felt humbled that during the ordination liturgy he sat in the same chair as St. John Newman, a fellow redemptorist, when he was ordained a bishop for Philadelphia during an 1852 ordination liturgy at St. Alphonsus Liguori Church in Baltimore. St. John Newman had served at St. Alphonsus as pastor ministering to German immigrants. Bishop Lewandowski quoted the words penned by St. John Newman on the eve of his own ordination, Dear God, give me holiness. And wearing this, dear God, make me a saint. To watch a video of the ordination and to read stories about Bishop Lewandowski and his ministry, visit catholicreview.org. Also be sure to check out catholicreview.org for full coverage of the ordination of five priests for the Archdiocese of Baltimore that occurred August 22nd at the Cathedral of Mary Our Queen. From the virtual newsroom of the Catholic Review, I'm George Matisek. You are listening to Catholic Review Radio on 1160 AM and 103.1 FM WMBT, the Guadalupe Radio Network. This is Chris Gunty. We're back on Catholic Review Radio talking with Dick Lyles, one of the producers of the new movie, Fatima. Dick, how did you come to be involved in this film? Well, um, as uh, CEO of Origin Entertainment, we defined uh, a number of years ago, short when it was founded, uh, we, defi we defined our brand to be transformative entertainment. We wanted our audiences to feel better about themselves and better about the world as a result of having watched one of our movies. 
And we decided, therefore, that all of our movies should be about the good, the true, and the beautiful, and should be messages of true heroism and courage that uh, both inspire and, uh, and, and aspire people to greatness. And so we were um, beginning to put our slate together and were approached by a number of people who were interested in seeing a fathom of a movie produced. And so we uh, perfectly considered it and we looked at it and said, you know, not only is this an important story with important messages, but it's a great story for cinema. It's just a wonderful story that, as you said, had many opportunities for beautiful cinematography and to be magnificently told, but it also has deep characterizations and character studies in it. And it also is a meaningful movie. You know, it's so hard to make movies. Why would you want to make something that isn't magnificent? That's a great point. Uh, did anything miraculous happen on the set while you were working on the filming? A lot of things happened miraculously throughout the movie. One of the interesting things that happened was shortly after we, deci we decided to do the movie on a Thursday. So we said, okay, we're going forward with that at Fatima. And that was a Thursday. It was more than a decade ago. And uh, the following Sunday, a friend of ours called and a close dear friend who said, um, I've had in my possession the traveling icon one of the traveling icons from Fatima for the last couple of months. And it's time for me to pass it on to someone else. And I've been praying all weekend about who it should go to. And every time I sit down to pray, your name comes up. She said, would you be interested in t taking custody of the traveling icon from Portugal? And I said, oh my gosh, Helena, and you're not going to believe this. We just decided to make this movie. Of course we would. We'll take it and uh, we'd like to, you know, keep it beyond the set. That's when we thought it would not take that long to make the movie. So we kept it then realized it was going to be longer than we thought and didn't think we should keep the statue from its journey. So we passed it along, it came back, we passed along again, it came back again. And when we had it at one point in time, a close friend who had uh, come on to do some marketing and promotion for the movie called me and said, Dick, we have a dear friend, her kids go to school with my son and she's just had a recurrence of breast cancer and it's metastasized. She has eight different nodes in her brain where there is breast cancer and there's not a lot of hope. They're gonna try and do radiation therapy and chemotherapy, but it's, it's really bad and it's in her brain and it's in eight different locations. And she said she's heard of wonderful things that have happened if people pray in front of the traveling icon from Portugal. Do you happen to know where it is? And I said, oh my gosh, Terry, I'm standing here looking at it, it's in my living room. And she said, uh, would you mind if she came and prayed in front? And I said, let's do better than that. Let's take the statue to her and have her and family keep it as she starts down this path of treatment and recovery. So we put it in its box and bundled it and took the icon to, to the young woman. And a month later, she went in to, to have her final brain mapping to specifically pinpoint where the nodes were so she could start her radiation and chemotherapy and everything was gone. So these documented spots of cancer were completely gone. She never went through 
chemo. She never went through radiation therapy and it's never come back. Thank God. Thank it's God. incredible. That is, that's, you know, it, and that's even before the, the movie came out that those kinds of things were happening. Yes. Yeah. How do we know so much about the apparitions? I mean, this was 1917. You note that this was not a literate town. How do we know so much about what happened there, including what Our Lady said? Well, uh, first of all, a lot of people saw them. Uh, one of the things that was fascinating, absolutely fascinating, is, you know, we filmed the movie entirely in Portugal. We had over 2,500 extras. And almost all of the extras who were involved in the filming were involved because they had some kind of a special personal connection to Fatima. A grandfather, a grandmother, a great aunt, a great uncle, somebody had been at the Miracle of the Sun and had, so these people had grown up sitting on their grandfather's knee or their grandmother's side, you know, hearing these stories of, of the Miracle of the Sun. So a lot of people witnessed it, and a lot of people saw it. There were a lot of accounts. A lot of them were witnessed by news people who took pictures of the miracle of the sun and who actually wrote stories about it. And then of course, uh, Sister Lucia over the years, she wrote a wonderful book in, in her own words where she tells the story of Fatima and all the great things that she experienced and, and goes into quite a bit of detail. So even though there wasn't an internet then and there wasn't TV, there wasn't radio, there wasn't the mass communication or the way to document things, a lot of what happened was documented by a lot of different people. And those documents have been, you know, sort of put into a major body of work over time, which is why there's a staff at the Shrine of Fatima taking care of all these uh, archives and historical documents and so forth. And making those available for scholars and, and folks like yes. you. You said, you know, you started working on this 10 years ago. You were ready to release in April and a worldwide pandemic came along. Coincidentally, you know, 102 years after the Spanish flu pandemic that killed Jacinta and Francisco. What challenges have you faced with opening a movie during a pandemic? How have you overcome them? I mean, I know that, you know, for example, you're doing some pre-release drive-in uh, screenings. There was one just last night, in fact, as we're talking, at uh, Benji's in Middle River, Maryland. Even with the first rain bands from a tropical storm on the way, there were about 60 cars there, I'm told. People got a little snack kit with Fatima face masks and things like that. <laughs> How has this kind of approach uh, increased the awareness of the film? How have you handled all of this? What feedback are you getting? Well, we're, we're getting tremendous feedback, Chris. I mean, everybody who sees the movie loves it. Um, most people are, uh, are actually going in with high expectations that they're going to like the movie, and then they come out with their expectations blown away that they just absolutely love the movie. I mean, it, it really is a good movie, and it's going to carry itself. Um, it, what the delay has given us is a little bit more time to promote awareness on social media and to get the word out. And like you said, these uh, drive-in movie screenings have been unbelievable. They, people are talking about how fabulous it is to have watched the movie Under the Stars, <laughs> you know, at the old drive-in theater uh, mm -hmm. type. But I think that the whole, you know, every time we've had a delay for this, originally we were going to, our target date was uh, 2017. We were going to release it on the 100th anniversary. 
now it turns out it's probably good that we didn't. And I think the timing is going to be perfect right now because uh, I think not only are people hungering for good experiences outside the home, but they're hungering for experiences that will help them in their quest, their search for, for divine love and to find happiness and to find peace in the world. I think this is something the world is ready for right now. Where will people be able to watch it when it uh, is released August 28th? It'll be in theaters all over North America. We're not sure which ones yet because we're not sure which ones will be open. Right. But a AMC, Regal, and Cinemark are the, are the major chains that will be carrying the movie and a lot of independent ones. If it were to open uh, this weekend, it would be probably about 250 theaters. We're hoping it'll be that they'll all be open them. The news this week is that everything is abating. So the big plan is that we'll be in maybe a thousand theaters. The way people can find out which theaters and if it's in a theater near them is to go to the website, Fatima the Movie. That's all one word, FatimaTheMovie.com and find out. And then it'll also, in an unusual release a strategy, at the very same time, it will be available for home rental. Mm. And they can again go to the website and find out what the sources are to rent it at home that weekend. So if they want to go out and see it in a movie theater, a lot of people, I've had a half a dozen people or so in the past week call me and say they're going to put a group together and buy out a theater and go so they'll all be going with people they know and people they like, uh, Knights of Columbus chapters, young Catholic professional chapters are doing that. And they can and do just, their own social distancing just some for that. families, yeah, 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 they do their own social distancing. But the theaters are taking great pains to make sure that they'll be safe and sanitary and follow all the rules. But if you're still reluctant to do that, you can uh, rent it at home. I suggest, I really encourage people to see it on the big screen, though. It's an incredible movie. Great. Well, we have been talking today with Dick Lyles, one of the producers of the new movie, Fatima, which will be out in theaters and available for home rental August 28th. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thanks, Chris. Keep up the good work. Appreciate all you do. Thank you. This is Christopher Gunty of The Catholic Review, and you have been listening to Catholic Review Radio. The Catholic Review is the only publication in the Archdiocese of Baltimore that covers the Catholic Church full-time. Pick up the monthly magazine at your parish or have it delivered to your home. Subscribe to our e-newsletter for twice-weekly updates. Just text CR Media to 84576. Follow The Catholic Review on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Read it today in print or online at catholicreview.org. That's catholicreview.org. Tune in to Catholic Review Radio next week. Available on WMET 1160 AM and 103.1 FM. Also, WSJF 92.7 FM in the Sykesville area and WVTO 92.7 FM in Baltimore City. Check us out on SoundCloud or your favorite podcast app. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Catholic Review Radio. As we prepare for the week ahead, let us do so in prayer together as one community of faith. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. 
Let us also ask the blessing and intercession of our Blessed Mother as we pray, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death, amen. May Almighty God bless us and keep us always in his love.